The Old Testament reading is from the prophecy of Jeremiah, chapter 14, verses 7 to 10 and 19 to 22. Though our sins testify against us, yet act, O Lord, for thy own name's sake. Our disloyalties indeed are many, we have sinned against thee. O hope of Israel, their saviour in time of trouble, must thou be a stranger in the land, a traveller pitching his tent for a night? Must thou be like a man suddenly overcome, like a man powerless to save himself? Thou art in our midst, O Lord, and thou hast named us thine. Do not forsake us. The Lord speaks thus of this people. They love to stray from my ways, they wander where they will. Therefore he has no more pleasure in them. He remembers their guilt now and punishes their sins. Why hast thou wounded us and there is no remedy? Why let us hope for better days and we find nothing good? For a time of healing and all is disaster. We acknowledge our wickedness, the guilt of our forefathers. O Lord, we have sinned against thee. Do not despise the place where thy name dwells, nor bring contempt on the throne of thy glory. Remember thy covenant with us, and do not make it void. Can any of the false gods of the nations give rain? Or do the heavens send showers of themselves? Art thou not God, O Lord, that we may hope in thee? It is thou only who doest all these things. Here ends the reading from the Old Testament. The Gospel reading is from Luke Chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. And here is another parable that he told. It was aimed at those who were sure of their own goodness and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer. The Pharisee stood up and prayed thus, I thank thee, O God, that I am not like the rest of men, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or for that matter, like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes on all that I get. But the other kept his distance and would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat upon his breast, saying, O God, have mercy on me, sinner that I am. It was this man, I tell you, and not the other who went home acquitted of his sins. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Here ends the Gospel reading. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Are any of you perfect? 
Um, John Wesley has this idea that perfection is something that we should all aspire to. I've got a long way to go. I don't know about any of you uh, on that one. But uh, the idea is that this is something we should try and work towards, that we should try and improve ourselves day by day and make ourselves more and more holy and more and more acceptable to God. How do you end up being perfect or being righteous? And there are two different schools of thought on this. One is that you actively try and do that which is good. And the other, which is more common in the church, is that we try and avoid all of the things that are bad, all of the unrighteous things. And we do that by uh, having church socials, so that there's no notion of any bad things that can ever happen. And so we all gather at really dull events that have got a lot of quiche involved in them. Um, and, and, and nothing fun or exciting ever happens at a church social. No sex, no drugs, no rock and roll, no, no anything that's you know, makes life worth living, frankly. Um, um, and so as a result, we avoid all of the bad things and therefore we can maintain ourselves as holy and marvellous as a result. When I was doing my training for the ministry, um, they did an exercise with us about where uh, we had our social life. And if you had all your social life at the church, you were at that end. And if you had all your social life as far away from the church as possible, you were at that I was at that end, um, very much so. Um, I'll leave Joy to guess which were the ones at, at, at that end um, as part of the process. How reliant are we on the church to make sure that we are well behaved, to keep us holy? The problem is that for lots of people, they actually look at the church and they think, oh, I couldn't ever go there, I'm not good enough. That sense of, of I have this guilt attached. And all those people who go to church are perfect and well behaved and well, and then let's face it, we're as messed up as all of the people outside. But how many outside don't know that and actually feel that somehow the church offers condemnation and judgment to them rather than actually as a place of welcome? So many people have guilt as a prison for themselves. They assume that God cannot forgive them and there are millions and millions in our own nation who feel that way. Because the church has been very good at offering a, a gospel of God's judgment and vengeance and wrath. And the church has been absolutely hopeless at telling people of the God of love and mercy and compassion and healing. Too many people feel excluded from the church. Before I candidated for the ministry, I was uh, living in East London and um, I uh, went to uh, church in Hackney. And there was a, a fabulous part of a service at one point where I was sat there and the preacher was talking about uh, his experience of being a youth worker and how terrible it was when uh, his church all of these young people were there and they were being part of the service, but one of them made a noise at an inappropriate moment. And all of the other people, the established people in the church, turned and tutted. And he said uh, to, 
the congregation gathered in Hackney said, wasn't that awful? And all of the established members of the church, they went, oh, yes, terrible, terrible, terrible. Ten seconds later, a child at the back made a noise. They all turned and went, like that, without even realising that they were tutting, they were doing the very thing that they had condemned just ten seconds before. So many people worry that they can't bring their children to church in case their children make a noise, that they will be tutted at, that they will be excluded, that they will be made to feel guilty in some way, shape or form. And that's before we get on to all the other people who think that the church rejects them or has a problem with them. But there are also all the people who come to church because they hope that the church will justify them. You know, I'm marvellous. I'm well-behaved. I go to church socials a lot. And that therefore, there's nothing wrong in my life. And I can therefore look down on others. Don't come to church to feel good. Come to church to resource you to do good. And not just here in church. Do your good outside where it's actually really needed. So how are you to remain righteous? How are we to remain righteous? Do we avoid sin or do we confront it? It's easy to offer judgment. But when you offer judgment, it paralyzes you to the opportunity of displaying mercy and compassion. So do you want to be perfect? Do you want to be righteous? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, No Rusty Swords, talks about what the, how to be an ethical person. And he says this, the ethical action is not determined by desire for an heroic extraction from the situation, but rather out of a concern for the future generations. It's not his wittiest statement, I'll grant you that. But what he's trying to say here is to be ethical can't just be that you sort of try and salve your conscience. But rather that you must pursue that which is going to make the world a better place. So don't buy fair trade just because it makes you feel good or look good or anti-ethical buying fair. Buy it because of the fact you know it's actually pursuing justice as part of the process. Leave the world a better place than you found it. Too often the situations that the church avoids... Too often the situations that the church offers judgment upon or that Christians offer judgment upon are exactly those situations where we need to be more involved. So every time anyone is tutted at a child for making a noise in church, how about celebrate the fact that the child's actually in church? Every time somebody has judged a mental health, uh, a person with mental health issues and saying, oh, they should just get a grip... Every time we've judged a drug addict whose life is a mess, every alcoholic we have judged because they really just need to learn some self-control, we might need to factor in that they, the ones who we are judging, are marching into the God's kingdom way before we are. Because at least they have worked out about humility in the process and they recognize their fallenness. And each of us, even if we think that we are perfect, and if if we think that we are righteous, we probably need to think again. The God we follow is a God of love, not the God of wrath that the Pharisees want, 
and certainly not the God of wrath that the Pharisee in our parable today is talking about. Oh, there is God's wrath. The Old Testament is quite clear about that. It is for those who peddle fear and hatred. It is for those who pervert religion to destroy other people's faith. It is for the despots and the tyrants who enjoy inflicting suffering upon the vulnerable. Because God is a God who loves justice and hates injustice after all. But God is a God of love and so many people in our world need to hear that. Jesus is so often judged by the religious for being a friend of the prostitutes, the publicans and the tax collectors. Who would he be friends with today? Those whose lives are a bit messed up, those who are a bit dirty, those who are a bit confused and bewildered. He might not necessarily be friends with all of us if we go around judging all of them, his friends, so readily. So if the parable were changed for today, rather than the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, it might be the parable of the TV evangelist and the benefit scrounger. It might be the parable of the Daily Mail journalist and the trafficked person fleeing from poverty and despair. It might be the parable of the Methodist minister and the traffic warden as well, for all I know. The thing is about judgment is that in reality, none of us is qualified. None of us is perfect. We all too often fall far too far short of the kingdom of God. But God is a God of mercy and love and is prepared to keep on forgiving us, even us who really are very messed up. That speck of sawdust and the plank of wood Maybe we need to think about our planks of wood and get the saws out right now. True faith should drive us towards the unvirtuous, not to help us run away from them. A religion without empathy and compassion is next to useless. It is actually worthless, let's be honest. And a religion without empathy and compassion That is the road to unrighteousness. That is the road away from perfection. So do you come to church because it's a habit? Do you come to church because it's the socially acceptable thing to do? Do you come because it's just merely a part of the trappings of your religion? Or do you come here recognizing how fallen you are and how much you are in need of God's grace and love And you're thankful for that love and grace and mercy. Do you come convinced of your own righteousness? Or because you and I and everyone else are desperately in need of God's grace? We gather as a community of the righteous and the unrighteous to form a new community under God. We gather as a community at the foot of the cross... When I look at the symbols of the Christian faith, I don't see a a perfection per se. I see a cross of brokenness, of pain, of hurt and suffering, of a God being broken apart for all people because he recognizes that we ourselves are broken. But a God who asks us to come and gather at the foot of the cross and to break our pride and our arrogance because we are all in need of healing.
and it is at the foot of this cross that we can also extend a welcome to those outside who also are in need of healing. Here at the cross, we find true religion before God, a religion free from judgment, humble before God, and blessed with compassion and forgiveness. So this day, may God help us to break our pride, our self-righteousness, and come before him in humility. And then through our presence in humility, may we offer healing to those who also, like us, are broken this day. May we form a new community before God this day. Amen.